Hey, everybody, this is Diana Stemkowski of Decisions Small and Large with Diana podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about knowledge, information, and why do we want to know things? Why do we want knowledge? Why do we invest so much time learning new things or being stimulated by new ideas? Why do we feel we need to have more information? Why do we think knowledge is so important to us and so powerful for us? And I think these are really interesting questions to ask in light of different observations I've had, different conversations I've had uh, with people in my life. There are a number of ways to answer these questions that I asked, but what it boils down to is that knowledge takes us directly to our brains, to a thinking landscape. It feeds a part of us that needs outside stimulation, information. This information often bypasses or doesn't linger long in our bodies. Whatever felt experience we had in terms of an emotional response is often overlooked by this, this hit of pleasure or awareness or from a stimulus that we get from the outside. So, you know, pleasure might be too strong a word, but there's definitely a a response, a resonance within us to certain information or the idea of information or what it makes us feel. So we get a hit, and I'm using that word on purpose, when we figure something out. We get a hit when we learn something new, when we have new awareness, when we see things from a different perspective You know, that's different from what we already know. There is that sort of boom, we light up. And when it comes down to it, knowledge helps us make decisions. It enhances how we process information. To a great extent, we think we can control how it comes to us either through reading a book or article, watching a YouTube video, or taking a class. Yet we know a lot of information is fed to us through seemingly passive avenues like clickbait, social media surveys, advertisements, carefully worded banners, headlines. We don't think we consciously soak that stuff up, but it gets in our brain just the same. We have a great, a general belief that we can take this information or leave it. <laughs> and uh, we know that if we want to find information about something, we always have resources to help us get that information. And, you know, I would offer here too, that, you know, that general belief that we can take it or leave it. I think we're a lot more susceptible to the stimulation than we're, we think. And we seek a lot of knowledge because we think it's going to help us understand ourselves and the world better. And, you know, this is helpful, keeps us alive, keeps us healthy, keeps us, you know, connected to ideas and people, beliefs. And, but what we're missing and often ignoring is a key resource for information for us, our bodies and our minds. If we were to take some of that same time and effort that we were looking outside of ourselves and apply it to our own self-study and uh, an awareness uh, and observing our own behavior, our actions and our emotions, the data would provide a richer, more nuanced and specific to a sense of who we are and who we can be in the world. It's a different kind of knowledge, but equally powerful. It provides a more complete picture of our experience that most stimuli around us 
can ever give us. Because we think knowledge outside of ourselves has more weight and seems to be more true, we tend to discount and dismiss our own wisdom. It takes time, effort, and a desire to know ourselves like any other relationship. We work on our marriages, our partnerships, connections to other people, yet we don't do the same with and for ourselves. There is so much messaging that condemns us for being selfish if we want to take care of or focus on ourselves. This is damaging and untrue. And we don't, we know that knowledge adds to our value. We know that knowledge increases our awareness, broadens our understanding of the world, but it also makes our experiences much more cerebral than felt or sensed. Our body signals and our intuition get overrun by the power we give information. We're not getting the full picture of what's going on with us. So assessing and analyzing who we are, what we are, what we do or don't do can become weaponized against us just as easily as our emotions and intuition. So we use information against ourselves and we also use our emotions against ourselves. So ultimately we are depriving ourselves of a lot of agency and accountability when we do this. We think what's happening around us is causing our reactions inside of us. This is not true. We really need to use all of our resources, our mind, our body, our spirit, in whatever way we choose to create what we want for ourselves. For a lot of people, emotions are something to be resisted, avoided, or left unexpressed. Emotions have to be controlled. We may not even allow ourselves to express or feel certain emotions because of socialized socialized reasons. Uh, big voice, don't cry. Um, always smile, those kinds of things. Um, so we mask our emotions as well. We deny that they're there. In reality, our feelings, just like our thoughts and our actions and what we create in the world, are it's just information. It's information about us from a very, very reliable source, ourselves. And I'm surrounded by incredibly smart people. And some of these are, you know, close friends and family. Um, I just have a lot of smart people. Yet, <laughs> they're often emotionally disconnected from a lot of things. They're so much more used to doing rather than being and, you know, checking in on themselves and, and in an emotional sense. So, information and knowledge is safe. It feels controllable. All this information feels controllable and helpful. I saw way too many times during my massage therapy career, this great desire to separate mind and body experiences that people were having. People saw their bodies usually as serving one purpose to cart their brains around or to, to look good in clothes or to uh, move them around in a certain way where they felt good about themselves. It was more of, this was a vehicle and, and it, it's, it was interesting to me when I, you know, as a massage therapist, yes, there's muscular tension here. There are knots here. There are things here. And, you know, these sorts of physical manifestations in our bodies were you know, representative of what was going on internally. Uh, 
you know, these people saw their, the causes of their muscular issues as part of some, some external mechanism that wasn't directly connected to how they live their lives. They didn't see the connection between those muscular tensions and their emotional lives. And when I suggested that this might be the case, they either didn't acknowledge the suggestion or dismissed it with a wave of their hand and just changed the subject. And I always found that interesting. Um, and so to me that there was this, it was a very obvious disconnect and, you know, a lot of this, the stuff that was going on with their bodies was in direct correlation to what was going on in their lives. Um, and stress, as we all know, manifests in all kinds of interesting ways in our bodies. And, you know, we're looking for the magic pill that cures us. We're looking for the easy way, you know, so I can, you know, avoid this physical discomfort. So there's a lot of things that we're internalizing and not processing. Uh, so I see the same sort of thing in my coaching clients and the amount of time and energy they're investing in finding themselves, finding answers for themselves outside of themselves. The next class book, webinar, program, training was going to provide all of their answers. <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Um, our emotional intuitive lives are at times unexplainable and uncontainable, sometimes overwhelming and often deeply uncomfortable. Some of us also see the information they're providing to us as faulty and unreliable. So if we can gain enough detachment from our behavior to see that all that we are experiencing, whether through our senses, through our intuition, emotionally, logically, they they all give us clues about who we are and what we are in any situation. It also gives us the option to choose who we want to be, what we want to create. So that's where our power is. Learning to pay attention to ourselves, being curious about what we see going on in our brains, watch what we say and do with compassion, watch our own physical reactions to things. What is our posture? What are, how are we walking into the room? How do we feel in our bodies? We can create on purpose the experiences that we want to have. So how do we do this? And I have three little steps here. So the steps are dropping the assumption that we know everything about ourselves. Number two, be the observer of you. Three, our filters for useful and non-useful information become stronger and nuanced the more we use them. So number one, dropping the assumption that we know everything about ourselves. We, we've obviously been in our body all of our lives for the most part. There are times I'm sure we've all checked out, but we can develop this deeper relationship and, and gain deeper knowledge and awareness if we stay present with our bodies give ourselves the time and space to check in. So asking, you know, questions like, what is my body telling me about my present experience? Am I tense right now? How am I sitting in my chair? Where are my aches and pains? What are those telling me about my actions? Say, for instance, uh, the analogy I used was when I was training for marathons, it got to the point where, um, even walking was painful and I had pushed my body so far 
it was stretched very thin to the point I hated running. <laughs> and that was heartbreaking to me because I've always loved running, but my thoughts and feelings were fueling this action of overtraining and literally injuring myself in this mistaken belief that um, I had to live up to someone's el someone else's expectations of me as a person <laughs> by the time of my marathon. So that was educational. There was a lot of pain is our guy. Pain teaches us so much. Our physical pain tells us a great deal if we take the time to listen. So our posture, are we hunched over? Are we standing with our arms crossed over our chest? You know, is our, are we easy and open when we walk? Are we tightly controlled when we sit, when we're driving the car? Are my guts tight? Am I breathing easily and deeply or shallowly and often? These are physical signs of what our emotional terrain may look like. And this does take some time to generate, but if you give yourself, start to build this muscle, it can show you so much about yourself, what's going on for you that your mind is not letting you see. So number two, be the observer of you. There are two emotions, three emotions here that I think are really important here. And they are curiosity, compassion, openness, and acceptance. So four. Curiosity leads to compassion. If we can be curious about ourselves, that we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do, we start to look at our behavior in a different way. And not in that automatic autopilot way. We start to notice like, well, I did this thing in this way, in this circumstance, but I did it a little differently over here. Why? I behave differently around this person than I did this person. Why? What is going on in my mind? And how, how is my outward behavior reflecting that? Curiosity also allows us space to observe ourselves without the weight of judgment or regret, disappointment, shame, guilt, any of that. Curiosity leads us to openness. Openness can take us to acceptance. All four of these things, curiosity, compassion, openness, and acceptance are the foundations of change, real and lasting change. And so we can create the sense of curiosity and just the openness of the possibilities of who we are and what we would want to change. So those are things to look for or to start being aware of because compassion with compassion, there, there really can't be judgment, you know, compassion, we can develop, you know, the Buddhist compassionate detachment idea that we watch ourselves with this space, this distance that is so educational about who we are and how we respond to the world. And that translates to if I'm open and accepting of who I am, my body reflects that in a physical way. 
if I'm at ease, what is my posture? What is my physical behavior? Am I loose and relaxed as I sit or am I sitting really tightly wound? Is my stomach tight? Is my chest tight? Can I breathe? When I feel love, when I feel anxiety, when I feel upset, how do I move? Are there patterns to these movements? After a while, we're going to be develop a glossary for how our bodies are reacting to our environment and why. So number three, our filters for useful and non-useful information become stronger and more nuanced the more we use them. We become selective about what we want to take in from the world and pay more attention to what our sensors, our brain, body, and mind are telling us. From that information, we pick how we want to feel and react on purpose. We become less susceptible to the influences of what's happening around us, and we're able to focus more on what we want to experience and to feel. So why would we want to cultivate these skills? I've already answered that question to some degree. But over an overview, would I would say, to have a, we would have a deeper, more mature relationship with ourselves and our bodies. This would lead to maybe healthier decisions about our medical health and our psychological health, our wellness overall. We would be more reliant on our own knowledge gathering systems rather than somebody else's. So our brain, if we gave it direction and guidance in terms of what we wanted to look for, that would help us. Our brain would find that information and sort of uh, sort out the rest that didn't apply. We would become much more focused and help our brain focus more on what we wanted, what we needed from the world in terms of information. We would for sure be more selective and purposeful in what we focus on, like I just said. And we would be able to easily disregard a Facebook post from somebody in our family or a friend or someone we kind of know peripherally. We would take that information and say, well, do I want this? Do I don't? Do I need it? Is it serving my purpose here? And we can decide in that moment. It's like, yeah, no, maybe not. Or, ooh, maybe I need to, you know, contact this person, follow up with this person. And we're pulling in with this, you know, being more selective and more purposeful is that our inner guidance systems, our intuition, our gut, maybe saying things that not no one else is saying that is saying they're saying to us exactly what we need to hear. And I think most people have this general sense that there's a voice in their head that tells them you need to move your car now, or it's going to get hit. And, you know, five seconds later, someone rams into the car behind you. Um, those last minute sort of unexplainable, but very deep knowing sense that I need to do this right now. This voice can be cultivated. It is ours to listen to. It doesn't pertain to anybody else, but to us. It is highly, highly focused on us. It is trying to provide the information to us. 
So because of that, we can be a lot more selective about what's coming at us. So those three steps, like I talked about, one is drop the assumption that we know everything about ourselves, because I think for a lot of us, we don't pay attention to our bodies until they hurt, until something has gone wrong, until we have aches and pains that are not explained by our normal activities. Number two, we are the observer of us. We, we purposely want to activate feelings like curiosity, compassion, openness, acceptance. These are all the ingredients to help us change in a permanent way. And three, once our filters are more in place and they're more nuanced, we can be really selective about the information and the, the knowledge we think we need. We will be a lot more efficient in our knowledge information gathering. We will spend more time on what's important to us rather than let's see what's happening with somebody else over here on Instagram. Let's see what they have to say about my situation. So this enables us to be much more efficient in our thinking and decision-making processes if we're using all of our resources. So that's all I have for today. Um, I will be back next week. I hope you have a great week. Take care.